We are in this series called what? The Spirit-Filled Church. That's funny. We, we make sure that we get a, a seat far enough back for you there, Pastor Rick. Uh, uh, we are, we are, the, someone say the Spirit-Filled Church. We have two big ideas, two goals. The first one is we want to learn what it meant and so that we can we can live what it means, and we're excited to do that all the time. Uh, we uh, This weekend, I have a, uh, some guests with us to speak to us from the book of Acts, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today. Um, our guests this morning are Dr. Israel and Christina Vincent. Israel Vincent is a dear friend of mine. He is the uh, one of the newest newly minted PhDs from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. He and I are both in that program. He finished before me uh, for a good reason. He's smarter than I am. Uh, but uh, he also is, if you're curious, and it's kind of cool, he also is the youngest PhD minted out of the seminary. And some of you might say, oh, man, yeah, go ahead. Uh, some of you might say, oh, man, he brought a brainiac. He's got some smart guy. Well, listen, first of all, I'm offended if you said that because... You know, I also talk here. Uh, but, uh, but one of the things that, that I first loved about Israel is as he would begin conversations uh, and talk about theory or Bible or ministry or practice, he would, he, the phrase would begin with, as a Pentecostal, and he is committed to the principles of Pentecostalism, of the, the person and presence of the Spirit right now working in our lives. Um, he, is, he, he does all kinds of stuff with the Church Multiplication Network and the Arizona uh, Ministry Network. He leads their school of ministry. He helps them expedite and develop a new process to, to credentialed ministers, all kinds of things. His beautiful and powerful wife, Christina, is also with us. She, too, is an accomplished academician. Thank you, Lord. But she is also a general presbyter with the Assemblies of God. And if you know what that means, that means that when the GP, the big shots, all gather, they call Christina to come and meet with them, too. So we are super honored to have them with us. All of that said is the cool stuff. Here's the real deal. I just love them. They are dear friends of mine. They've been exceptionally gracious and kind to me as friends, hosted me in their home. They are and will make a huge contribution and impact on the church in our day. And uh, they will be forever friends of this house, and I'm glad that they're here. But before I have you uh, just help me welcome them, I just want to—I just want to do this publicly because it's the right thing to do. Overstreet, Overstreet, Overstreet. Yeah, well, we got just—just just don't leave here today. We want to—we got another thousand dollars for compassion to action for you today. Okay. Thanks. All right. You know, if you don't want to be blessed, don't come here. <laughs> comes here four times here back all right anyway all of that said will you help me please honor and welcome dr israel vincent well thank you to be fair dr dev is working on his second doctorate so just so that everybody knows he is the smartest person that i know so, uh, hey, so Israel, Vincent, um, now listen, I'm Speedy Gonzalez when I preach. You get two for one with me, all right? So people try to pray, Lord, slow them down. But when you slow me down, it sounds like I bump my head, okay? So pray instead, pray instead for the Lord to help you listen fast, and we're both going to have more fun today, okay? So uh, as you guys know, you have some of the most incredible pastors in the country, literally. Right? Come on. So... The Davenports happened to you. That's the way I describe them to other people. They happened to our family. And I still remember the very first time I met uh, Dr. Dav, uh, it was at a graduation for a friend of ours, uh, also from the seminary. 
And I heard about Dav for years because Jordan Dunn, he's come here a few times, loves him. So I walk in and Dav is, is there and he is in a, a, a very clean, fancy shirt. He's got cufflinks on. He's got an iced tea in his hand, holding like a, like a martini. I'm from Vegas. I can make that joke. You can laugh. It's okay. He's holding like a martini and he's got a pinky ring on, a big fat gold pinky ring. And I said, that man is in charge. You don't have to, there's, I'm not going to, you can... I can see that. We are all in agreement. You are running this place. And so that was my first impression of him. And since then, he has just blessed our family, him and his family. They're all incredible. I mean, they're I literally, they're like the Incredibles. They're like the Avengers. Uh, they're just an extremely talented, uh, just pastoral family. And to know them is to uh, to love them. And so we're, we're grateful that they've been an influence in our family. But he said, hey, I'm going through a series in Acts, right? And like I said, as a Pentecostal, he mentioned, I was like, yes, let's go through a series in Acts. I don't care where you want to preach at, I'll, I'll, I'll hop in at any point. So you've been going through this series, and, and Acts, when you go through it, like, it's easy to read the Bible as a them story, right? Especially when we get to the book of Acts, that happened to them. But this isn't a them story, this is an us story. This is you and I, this is us coming together. Like Thanksgiving and my family, we, we tell stories, we laugh, we cry about our shared experience, right? This is who we are as the Vincents, this is who we are. And this is what Acts is for us as believers. This is us coming together and it's us sharing our heritage of the Lord, of being people that have just taken God at his word and seen what he's done and had incredible things happen. That's the story of Acts. That's the story of what you and I are doing 2,000 years later. It's pretty cool. And it's very honest. You all went through this uh, last week. There, there's a candid look that, hey, the humans in the story are still human, right? You can see some of their cracks. You can see some of the things going on. But God, in his perfection, is still God. You see both sides of that. And in Acts 16, or Acts 15, forgive me, when you were there last week, there's the Jerusalem Council, and, and there's kind of the community coming together, right? They're listening and, and, and navigating difficult circumstances. Hey, how do we do this new thing called church? And it said in 15, hey, it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. For me, that's kind of the banner over that whole situation. God partnering with his people to say, hey, look, I'm still leading. I'm in charge. I'm, I'm going to walk you through this. But at the same time, I'm inviting you to seek my will. I'm inviting you to come together and recognize my purpose, recognize in agreement this is where we're going to go. So it's kind of a community gathered uh, together to hear from the Spirit. I love it. It's a great it's a great part of the book of Acts. But Acts 16, as I was going through and prepping in my study, I felt like, okay, well, what's happening next? And, and it kind of transitions to Paul, the apostle. He's a church planner. He's a missionary. He's just an all-around great guy. And this community aspect of hearing from the Lord kind of shifts to this very kind of personal story of Paul hearing from the Spirit and what that looks like. So I thought, this is great. As a, as a, as a Spirit-filled believer, as somebody who loves the Lord, what does it look like in 2022 for me to have partnership with the creator of the universe? For, for me to have in my life as a father, as a husband, as a, as, a, as a work colleague, all these different roles I play, what does it look like for me to hear from Jesus and to walk on that? And I felt like when I read through Paul and his story here that, that I had a picture of that. I got a little bit of a sense of, okay, this is a powerful uh, uh, picture. This is a powerful picture of what it looks like to take God at his word and to hear personally and kind of navigate that situation that I think all of us do. So, we are in Acts 16, and uh, the, the chapter starts off with Paul uh, recruiting this, this young man, Timothy, who becomes a, a main colleague. So uh, starting in verse 6, though, after they kind of uh, depart, they start to go on this journey. 
Your Bible probably says the Macedonian call right here. It's kind of a familiar story. And in verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul, he, the, the, the gist of this story is that he leaves this place called Lystra and ends up in, in a place called Macedonia. Now, I'm not uh, an expert in geography, even in American culture, and let alone I think sometimes we read through some of these stories in Acts, and there's people and places and so many things that are easy to gloss over, right? We're just not familiar with them. It's 2,000 years removed. But as I kind of slowed down on this chapter and looked at it, it was interesting to see, okay, so Paul, he, he's going to this new place, and you probably saw that. It said the Spirit of Jesus prevented us from going into two places. One of them uh, was Asia. The other one was Bithynia. And uh, it, it's kind of this, this unique aspect of, Lord, why would you prevent him from doing that? And if uh, on the screen behind me, there's a map of uh, actually what this journey was. So you see Lystra down in the bottom right, and then way up there is Troas, and then they're hopping to skip away over the water into Macedonia, which is across. But from Lystra to Troas, there's this journey of them kind of only knowing where not to go, right? I want to go into Asia, but the Lord said not to go there. I want to go into this other spot. And Paul... Who, who knew the voice of Jesus, who in Acts 9 had a, had a really a miraculous encounter, goes this long, which is actually about 500 miles, only knowing where not to go. Isn't that interesting? And I, I, in two verses, it's so easy to, to skip over that and to, to recognize, hey, this was a pretty big deal in Paul's life. They leave the Jerusalem council, and he's going, and, and he finally has, after a while, this vision of the Macedonian man. Hey, I, I, I have a dream, and he talks to the team about it, and immediately there's this clarity, there's this confirmation, there's this sense of, ah, this is what the Spirit is saying to us. We're supposed to go to this place. Now, Paul could have just had the Lord say, hey, I want you to go to Macedonia, right? That'd be like us saying, hey, Lord, I want you to go to New York. We'd all know, okay, I know how to get to New York. But instead, the process the Lord used in leading him through the Spirit was not giving him the final destination for a while. And part of it was only having the sense of where not to go. So it's, it's, it's interesting. So, But he gets that vision of the Macedonian man, and it brings clarity. Ah, this is where the Lord wants us to go. So the first thing I felt like this, this morning that I, I pull from that is that the Spirit speaks to us in a way that we can understand. After a season of not knowing the destination, the Lord finally reveals himself in a way that Paul said, oh, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. It wasn't something he got up and eh, that was a mystery. And you see this consistently in the book of Acts of God speaking, leading in a way that's very clear, very much, hey, here is my will that you may act on. And myself, as a believer, there are seasons, and even now, I'm in, I, there, I, that I feel like I'm afraid to miss God's voice in my life. I'm afraid to miss the exit. I'm afraid to miss an opportunity. Lord, what do I do? There's so many decisions. The older I get, the more complicated my life gets. I feel like I'm constantly making decisions. And I'm like, Lord, I just, there's just almost an overwhelming sense of, am I going to do this wrong? But look, like Paul, not having the final destination, not having the answer to your question doesn't mean you don't have the relationship with the Lord. 
And the enemy tries to get inside that. He says, you don't have the answer because God doesn't really care what you're doing. You don't have the answer because he's probably busy. He's doing all these things. And what happens is doubt. But as, even if I don't know exactly the full game plan of my life in some of these big decisions, I can still be confident I have the relationship, right? Paul wrote scripture. Paul walked with Jesus. He had the relationship. He just was finding out that God is God and he doesn't always give us every single thing we ask in, in the time that we ask it. But I have to, as a believer, learn, like Paul did, to trust that he's going to reveal what I need when I need it. I'm going to have enough information to be successful. And when I get to these forks in the road, even if I have a good plan, there's nothing wrong with preaching the gospel in Asia. As I start to go this way, he's going to say, hey, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to lead you over here. I'm going to keep you in my will. Nothing wrong with that, but I have a different plan for you. And trusting that I'm going to hear from the Lord in a way that I get. And that might be different for each one of us. Paul had this vision. Peter had different visions. But it made sense to them. They came with a clarity of understanding God's word. My three-year-old, she's, she's, she's incredible. She's bright. And she tells stories. And she'll tell me a story. And I have no idea what it means. No idea where it came from. And I, I, I think sometimes I expect God to communicate like that with us. Like leading, being led by the Spirit is, a, is, a, is, a, is going to be this thing that, that you're always going to be confused. But we don't serve a God of confusion. We serve a God of peace and clarity. So he speaks to him in this way and says, hey, Macedonia. And you see this in the, in the New Testament theology, the study of God, this concept as we go into the New Testament that the Spirit is one of the primary ways that God provides this unprecedented clarity to his people. John 15, Jesus said, hey, you're friends now. I speak to you clearly and plainly. In John 14, he says a big uh, kind of part of that dynamic was the spirit he was going to send. When I leave, I'm going to send you a helper. He's going to teach you all the things you need to know. 1 Corinthians 2, this concept that the spirit searches the depths of God and teaches us spiritual truths from that place with the effect that you and I have the mind of Christ because of it. I can go on and on. So we see this, this dynamic as, as believers. Access to the Spirit allows us to have such a, a sure footing in the fact that we're walking in the places that God has called us to. We should be the most confident, most bold people in recognizing, no, every step that I take in my life, in my parenting, in my job, in my schoolwork, and all of these things, that the Spirit is allowing this to be incredibly effective and miraculous and powerful. So God isn't just Emmanuel, right? We go through the Christmas story, the Gospels. Hey, God with us. That's what that means, Emmanuel. It's a Hebrew phrase. But we see in Acts, it's not just God with us. It's God before us. It's God leading us. It's this concept of, wow, I, I am doing life. I have free will. I have all this creativity. But I have the leading of the Spirit to give me the fullest, wholest version of my life possible. The best version of myself only comes from walking in the Spirit. So if you're asking yourself, hey, should I, should I marry this person? And you're, you're, you're sweating over some of these big questions in your life. And I don't believe the Lord's going to give you a, the, the beast from Revelation. You're going to have this big old thing. You not know. If he does, that's a red flag. I'm just saying if that's what you're at, that's probably a post-trib marriage right there. I just say be careful. But, but what I learned from Paul is it's just... The, the, the leading of the Lord is indispensable. The discernible will of God was so worth it, he was willing to walk all that way and say, Lord, even if I, I only know where not to go, I'm going to keep going until your perfect will says, this is where I want you to be. And God was faithful in that. He actually did it. So 
he has this the divine appointment, uh, and then I want to see what happens after uh, uh, listening to, to what the Lord said. So what happens when he gets there? So in verse 16, I'm going to continue on in this incredible story. In verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And Oh, sorry. I'm, conversion 11, sorry, not a 16, 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed uh, we, were, we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of uh, Thyatira, seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So, so Paul gets to, to Macedonia. He gets to the place that the Lord called him to be. And when he gets there, uh, Paul, Paul's kind of uh, normal way of handling ministry we see in, in the book of Acts is that he would typically find a synagogue, which is like a Jewish church, a place they would meet, and minister from that spot. So he gets to Philippi, which is actually a pretty important city back then. It's like you picture uh, San Francisco, New York, something like that. This isn't a, 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 a small place. So he gets to Philippi, and there's no synagogue, even in a city like this. So they're meeting outside of the city, and it's a group of women that are praying by the river. Now, you and I probably don't know this off the top of our heads, but one of the reasons you need, uh, why was possibly you needed, for a synagogue, you needed to have 10 men. It's called a minion in Hebrew. And that's kind of just Jewish tradition, Jewish law, that they felt like, hey, this is what it needs to be a church plant. So they don't have a building. They don't even have really what we would imagine to be the roster for having a church plant. And yet this is the place that the Lord calls Paul to be. And he meets this Jewish businesswoman, Lydia, and recognizes in the spirit that, hey, there's favor over this conversation. The Lord is literally opening her heart in order to, to receive the gospel and has this divine appointment that leads to her and her whole household believing in the Lord. It's pretty great, right? Now, track with me. You have a vision, right? I have a spirit, I have a spirit encounter that says, hey, you're, there's a Macedonian man saying, come here. And the first thing that Paul and his team get to is a Jewish businesswoman. So I have, a, I have a word about a, a Macedonian man, but what actually happens is a, is a Jewish businesswoman. How, do you see where, the, maybe like, how do I reconcile that? It looks a little bit different than maybe what I thought a literal rendering of what God's word was going to be. They don't have a synagogue to meet in. They don't even have really the, the, what we would call the dream team you would expect to really have this amazing, thriving church plant. But it was a divine appointment that Paul recognized through the Spirit by saying, ah, the Lord is in this, his peace his favor, his consolation is in this conversation that I'm having. And he recognized it and he acted on it. So this is the second thing. So if the Lord speaks to you and I in ways that we can understand, as we're seeking him, he's going to say, hey, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do when you're making decisions in your life. The second part is this that I learned from Paul. What happens after the Spirit speaks may look a little bit different than we expected. So the Spirit speaks in our lives, but sometimes what immediately happens doesn't always fit maybe what our interpretation of what the Spirit, or we think the interpretation of the Spirit is. And this is what kind of happens with Paul. But I recognize Paul is two things. He's flexible and he's attentive. 
He's flexible to recognize, okay, I, I'm following the word of the Lord. I get to this place, but I'm being flexible of what it, it, it plays out to be. And then he was attentive to recognize as he stepped into this place, ah, the Lord is here. The spirit of the Lord is giving me favor. The spirit of the Lord is giving me peace. The spirit of the Lord is giving me the consolation of knowing, hey, this is the spot I want you to be. This is that. What you spoke is now what I'm walking into. So God doesn't just give direction. He's not just a God of, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to text you the coordinates and I'll see you there. God's also a, a God of confirmation, right? He's walking with us there. He's leading us there. And then when we get there, he's saying, we made it. Giving in a way I understand, ah, okay, this is the place that I'm supposed to be. And when things go differently, right, we're all coming out of COVID. I think it was a curveball for all of us, right? I get discouraged. When weird things happen in my life, I kind of freak out. Lord, is this, is this you? Did I miss the turn? Did I, I thought you, were, you said we were going to zig and we zagged, and now I'm starting to doubt myself. I'm starting to feel insecure in what the Lord has said. And it's easy for, for us to get caught up in that. But look, nobody cares about your personal well-being more than Jesus. He is so for you. He is so good. He is so intentional about crafting a path before you that is going to lead to blessing, to, to purpose, to, to joy. Not that there aren't seasons it goes through, maybe things that feel difficult, but ultimately the goodness of your life is unimaginable when you walk in the step with the Spirit. In this process as believers is really a, a lifelong one. The very first thing that Jesus says to any one of us is come and follow. That's the very first word from the Lord that all of us respond to. Come and follow me. And from that point, like Paul in Acts 9, hey, come and follow me, he does. It's this continual renewal process of learning to discern the, the, the voice of the Lord, to act on it in faith, grow while that's happening, and get to a destination where you're effective for the things of the Lord. In a lot of different ways, in a lot of different seasons. And as we do that, we grow. And we, we, we look more like the person that God called us to be. So I sincerely believe, and I, I believe there's a, a, point, an, an, a case for this, that I think if you're sincerely seeking the Lord, you're not going to miss it. He'll give us grace. If you're seeking the Lord and you start going over to Asia, you start going over to Bithynia, it looks good, looks like it could be an awesome way to go. If it's not where you're supposed to be, I think he's going to say, hey, no, I, the Spirit's going to lead you back into this new place when we're seeking him. There's grace over that. I believe that. And that we recognize uh, his confirmation when we get to those things. Even if he leads you to a spot where you're like, I didn't expect to be here right now, he's going to let his peace kind of give you the sense of, ah, okay, the Lord is in this. So Paul does this, and he, he, he ends up in this place. He starts ministering in Philippi, and kind of like I mentioned, sometimes you follow the word of the Lord, and things get maybe a little bit of a dip before they get better. That's kind of what happens here. He's ministering. Uh, the, the gospel starts to not just touch but confront some of the things happening in that culture, and as it does, it, it starts displacing things, economies and power structures, and they don't like him for it. So they beat up Paul, and they throw him in prison. So I have this vision, right, of, of a Macedonian man. It's, to me, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be well-received when I get to this place. Uh, so there's no Macedonian man. There's a Jewish businesswoman, and then there's like a bunch of bruises from getting beat up and thrown into prison unjustly, right? Kind of a unique thing happening here. So what happens when, this, when Paul does this? So I'm going to jump down uh, to verse 25. So at this point, uh, Paul and Silas are in jail for preaching, for being obedient to that word. Verse 25, about midnight, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm uh, yourself, for we are all here. And the jailers called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in, in, in God. So Paul's thrown in prison, right? Unique situation. And it, it says that they're, they're in this really difficult place and they're singing praises to God. They're changing the atmosphere of this really dark place to be a place of worship. And it's midnight. Hopefully they can sing well, because if you're singing at midnight and I'm already in jail, like, I mean, the noise ordinance, 10 p.m. after is quiet hours, and they're singing, right? So during this time, this earthquake happens. It's a miracle, right? If an earthquake happens, all the doors open, all of the fastenings on their their, their arms and legs, however they were fastened, come undone. And it sounds like to me this is an easy place for us to escape. Because it happens a few times in Acts, right? Acts 5, Peter and John, they have the same thing happen, and they escape. Acts 12, same thing happens. They're imprisoned, and then the Lord opens up the jail, and they get out. And I'm the kind of guy, when I watch a movie and the bad guy gets their comeuppance, I'm like kind of happy. I'm cheering, you know. That's just, I know it's not right, probably, but it's just the way, I, it's the way I am. So that's what happens in 12, and the jailers are killed in 12. And there's part of me that's like, yeah, you can't stop the gospel, because at this point, they're starting to kill apostles. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to be strong. And in here, God opens up the doors but instead of escaping and leaving the jailer to be killed, he's about to kill himself, and he stops and, and, and shares the gospel with them. And Acts is kind of doing this constantly. It's constantly challenging our, our perception of where grace should go and where God's love should reach. And people are, are seeing, okay, this is where I feel like the edge of my, my compassion is, and the Lord says, I want you to go further in it. So where before I'm cheering because the jailers are, are, are getting killed, now the Lord's saying, no, I want you to go and share the gospel with this person because this is a divine appointment. This is part of the, the fulfillment of the word that I gave you that somebody's going to receive the Lord here. So Paul has the familiarity with the Lord to stop and do that. Because look, if, if I'm in jail with Pastor Dav and the, the gates opened up and my handcuffs come off, like hopefully you can keep up because I'm, I'm out of there, right? I'm, I'm not waiting for him. Like, that makes sense to me. But he's more spiritual, so he would probably have the sense of the Lord of, of no, we're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to leave. The Lord wants us to minister to someone in this moment. And the, the gates didn't open for them to escape. The gates opened for them to stay there, but to reach somebody that really needed to have it. And because of that, his whole house got to know the Lord. So in this one chapter, you've got two households, right? You have this Jewish businesswoman in her house. Now you have this uh, non-Jewish jailer in his whole house. And they become the foundation of the Philippian church. The book of Philippi, or Philippians, 
Uh, uh, they, they are the ones that Paul's eventually writing to, that become this thriving kind of cornerstone church in the, the New Testament time. It's a beautiful place. And it all be happening because God gave him a word, and he listened to it, and he stepped out in places you and I wouldn't expect to step, and the Lord blessed it. Would have missed it if it wasn't for the leading of the Spirit. So it was familiar, it was a familiar place, right? Acts 5, Acts 12, it was a familiar place, but it was not the same. And so the third thing I have when following the Lord, so if God is going to speak to you and I in a language, we understand, I believe that, and that sometimes as believers, we step out in faith and we start walking, that the circumstances after the Spirit speaks sometimes maybe look a little bit different. We've got to be flexible and attentive to the Lord's leading as we follow the destination He tells us to go to. And this third one is that I believe we need to be familiar that you may be in a familiar situation, but God might be doing a new thing. When we get reps in as believers, right, we start to, to get comfortable, and there's nothing wrong with that. Life is seasonal, and I feel like when we follow the Lord, I, when I was 17 and got saved, it was like everything was through a megaphone. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that, because I needed it. I was just a pup in the Lord, and as I got a little older, there was less of the megaphone and sometimes more of just the nudge, sometimes more just the impression, and that's part of us becoming more like daughters and sons of Jesus, right? I take on the character qualities of my father so where he doesn't need to tell me, hey, don't steal that because I just know, hey, that's part of our family values. That's part of who I am on the inside, and so there's nothing wrong with feeling confident in our decision-making. I think the Lord delights in that, but what I learned from Paul is that when we get some reps in, right, we've been coming to church for a while, we've been coming and doing and following the Lord, we've heard some words, we've seen some miracles, is that maturity, spiritual maturity as a leader in any context, is giving space to the Spirit even when we feel like we got this. Lord, I've been in this spot before. I've done this thing. Is there anything you want to do differently in it? And we're, we're creatures of habit, right? So there, there, there's parts of us, like, I, I do it. I, and, you know, I, I go to work, I play with my kid, I go to sleep, I get up, I do it again, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And we get into kind of an autopilot. You know, I've been, I go to church every Sunday. I, it's Christmas, and we do the, you know, the thing with our kids, and we talk about the story. And it, it's not bad to be in a rut, but in the sense of the dynamic nature of walking in the Spirit is that God is continually doing new things in places that are familiar to us. And it's easy to miss those opportunities if we just go on autopilot. Walking in the Spirit is active. It's not passive. It's something that we are constantly just being attentive in this relationship with the Lord. I'm going to invite our band uh, to come back up as we're getting ready to close out. So as, as we're, we're kind of focused as a community on, on the story of Acts, the thing I want us to really look at today is, look, if you're, if you're seeking the Lord, you have some decisions that you feel like you're making right now, some things that have been on your mind, I just want to encourage you that he knows it, he sees you, he's with you, he's not just a God with us, he's God ahead of us, he's going before you preparing things that you don't see yet. And just because you don't have the destination doesn't mean that he's not with you, you have the relationship. And to trust that when the time comes, when it's right, he's going to speak to you in a way that you understand for some of these decisions. Second thing is that as we walk in the Lord, as you end up in places you didn't expect, don't dismiss it that you maybe you made a wrong turn. That's possible. That's a different sermon. But in this context, when you're seeking the Lord, sometimes what he says looks a little different when we live it out because he's doing things that we don't see yet, bigger, better than we could ever imagine. 
And that last part, as we grow in our maturity, and we're doing this, and we get some reps in, and we start to grow as, 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 as daughters, as sons, as leaders, is that don't take for granted that God is always going to be doing new things in your life, always stretching the limit of what you think he can do, always expanding our compassion in places we think we didn't want to give it, always doing something in our lives, our families, our homes, our jobs, and, and, and just really, in really common places doing holy things. That's the kind of God we serve. And so this together, when we come, is a, an opportunity to hear from the Lord. So we're going to close out. Um, I'm going to have, uh, there's some music behind us. And I'm just going to pray together and just give a, a, a moment for the Lord to do that. Is that okay? All right. Father, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. As our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed. If you're listening to this and you feel like, hey, I, 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 I don't really track with that because I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, I, as I mentioned the first thing Jesus says to any one of us is, is come and follow. And if you don't have that relationship, that is God's word for you this morning. And I'd love to pray for you if, if, that, if that's you. So if that, if that is you, if you raise your hand, we can pray right now. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can come and talk to a leader, Pastor Dav, anybody. But Jesus, I thank you for your presence here. I pray, Lord, that you just move in this room, that you speak to our hearts, Lord. You give clarity, give wisdom, confirmation, affirmation, Jesus. Maybe a little tug or, uh, of, of correction, Lord, if we're going into uh, Asia or Bithynia, Lord, and you want us to keep going a different direction, Lord. Just let that be this morning solidified in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
God bless you, friends. Thanks for being here.